Hi, I'm Pete Price, and my podcast today is with the Chief Constable, Serena Kennedy. What an amazing lady, our first female Chief Constable on Merseyside. And she has some very important points to put out to the public because it's about partnership these days. But listen, don't listen to me. Join me on my podcast with the Chief Constable of Merseyside Police. Thank you for letting us come into the old building. Yeah, great to see you, Pete. Um, yes, only here as it, uh, for the next four weeks. Where it's going to take us six months to move staff over um, and the chief officer team move over um, in November. I'm going to talk about the new HQ uh, in a while, but I've got to ask you, and I asked every chief constable before you, where is the safe with the, the, the big, powerful documents in case there's a world war or major? There's got to be a safe in here that only you know about. Would you believe it? That actually sits with our force ops teams. All of our contingency plans sit with with, with force ops because actually if something goes horribly wrong, they will be the first people to know. I will probably be the second or third person. They are far better equipped to press the button and make sure that we're activating our response, which I hope we never have to. You heard it first. Wow. Um, let's talk about the the ongoing problem. We spoke about it last week um, with with what's going on with the, 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 the idea of people spiking the drinks, which is, by the way, it happened to me many, many, many years ago, and um, which was a real surprise. I, I was working in a club and I, I was I was taken to hospital, so I've actually experienced it, and it's the weirdest thing ever. Many years ago, and I think I've never even spoke about that publicly. What is going on? I mean, we have, as you've just said, spiking of drinks has been around for quite a while. The new bit to this that we're, we're getting reports of is people being spiked using needles. Um, it is a real concern. It is seeing, seemingly being an increasing trend, or people are reporting that to us because of because of the um, because of the media coverage of it. What I would say, if people do think they've been subject to a spike, and it's really important that they contact as soon as soon as they think, or their friends contact us. The key bit of advice that we're giving out to our staff is how we capture that early evidence if someone reports that they've that, that they've been spiked. That also is important in every crime, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that confidence to come forward, report a crime to us, have the trust and confidence that Merseyside Police are going to take that report seriously and we will investigate it, as well as getting people the support that they need. I've got to ask, how hard is it to be a policewoman? Looking back through your career to get to where you are now, how hard has it been or hasn't it? You know, I've got 28 years in policing and I know I know other female colleagues have had a very different journey to me. I've always felt that I've been really supported as a female in the organisation. You know, I've got two children, two daughters who are 19 and 21, but even coming back as a working mum, I've always felt really supported. But that's the important bit. It's around responsibility of senior leaders and middle leaders to be those role models and to support people in the organisation to be the best they can be and to achieve what they want to be irrespective of whether you are female you know one of my priorities I've set is around inclusion so it's about making sure people can bring their whole selves to work and be the best they can be I say this with the greatest respect can women do the job 
Absolutely, of course we can. We are, you know, we've got brilliant staff, female officers and female staff. There isn't a role in policing that we can't do as well as our male colleagues. We're going to talk about the pandemic and, and, and what's been going on there. We had those uh, that dreadful, dreadful murder. Uh, let me ask the question: Are women safe on the streets of Merseyside? Liverpool is voted as one of the as one of the safest cities. Uh, Merseyside's got a really good reputation in terms of how we tackle crime. Last year, we, we were the best performing force in terms of that. We take women feeling safe on the streets of Merseyside really seriously. Again, it's one of the priorities that I have set out. We're working really closely with our partners. We can't arrest our way out of this problem. It's a societal issue. We have got to work with our partners. We've got to work with the voluntary sector. We've got to work with our communities. We've got to change the behaviour of what is predominantly men. We've got to educate men in terms of what is ex- what's acceptable. Have we got too much demand? Yes, there is too much demand. There are too many survivors of uh, violence against women and girls. Yes, we need additional funding to make sure that we can support all of those survivors, but we are absolutely treating it seriously and working really closely with our partners. I did a QA and uh, a last week on Twitter um, and it was great because all the partners came on board and we all talked about the work that we were doing together and I think that's a really important message for our communities that we are tackling this together. I'm glad you said partners because because also, yes, it's the policeman's job and the police person's job and the police woman's job, but we, the public, must help. We're living in a different world now, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. We've all got a role to play, whether it be as a parent, as a teacher, you know, as a friend, as a relative, in terms of absolutely educating people about what's acceptable, about healthy relationships, and about how we must ensure that women can go about their business, whether it be work, whether it be socialising, um, you know, whether it's going to school, and they can feel safe in their communities. It's as simple as that, and I've got to plug it. I plug it all the time on every single interview. Crime Stoppers, how important is that to you? Yeah, Crime Stoppers is invaluable. We do know that there's some people who don't want to come forward. They don't want to give us their details. Crime Stoppers is always there as an option for you to uh, provide information. So as well as Crime Stoppers, there's um, another way in which women can report to us um, if they're feeling unsafe. This is not if it's happening live time. If it's happening live time, you know, I would always say ring 999 or ring 101 if people don't feel safe to do that then then crime stoppers street safe is an initiative where we are trying to get information from from members of the public particularly in this case from women and girls is to enable policing and partners local authorities to, to identify those locations that we can do something about. So it's another way in which we can gather evidence and information. Talking to you, um, policing has changed enormously, and you said how many years you've been here. Let's talk about hate crime, because this also is, and, and I think you've done a phenomenal job on Merseyside, but it also is a hard thing to police. Policing has changed, as you say, you know, beyond all recognition. When I talk to the new recruits, they laugh when I say there was no mobile phones, no no, uh, no computers, no iPads, no emails. But the complexity and the challenges, the demands that we are facing now are really different. And as you say, hate crime. And we have seen uh, hate reports of hate crime increasing nationally and here in Merseyside. And we've had a, you know, a horrible period over the summer where we saw increasing numbers of homophobic crime. 
it's a really difficult one because you know you want people to have the confidence to come forward and report hate crime no matter what that um, that hate crime is so by seeing increasing numbers of hate crime is that a negative because to me it's a positive that people have the trust and confidence in Merseyside police to come forward but you don't want to be saying the, the downside of that is you're seeing as an increasing trend in hate crime and there's a negativity around that again I would say it's a societal issue it's something we've got to tackle together we can't arrest our way out of the problem you know Merseyside police will take all reports of hate crime seriously and we will investigate them we will work with the victims but we also need to work with partners you know we need to educate people around what is acceptable and what's not you know and hate crime is in any form is never accepted and won't be tolerated here on Merseyside I think what was brilliant in the summer was the demonstration we saw, or the, it's not the demonstration, the march we saw through the city centre of Liverpool after the homophobic attacks. And that was really quick. It was organised by young people. It was an absolutely show of the support um, against coming together and showing as a community here in Merseyside, we won't tolerate hate crime. You keep mentioning the word partners. It is different policing, isn't it? Partners are so important. Absolutely. Partners, communities, the voluntary sector, we have to get much better at identifying things early, identifying those individuals, those families and those communities that we need to intervene in earlier to stop things becoming critical, identify the root cause of the problem. What is happening with that individual that means they're either being victimised or they're becoming an offender? It happens within families, it happens in communities. It's not just policing's job. To, to, to do that, we need to do it across the board. And social media has not helped hate crime. Well, social media is a really difficult one, Pete, because you know we get the negativity on. In terms of hate crime, uh, people being able to use hate crime, sorry, being able to use social media to, you know, say hateful things and commit offences of of hate crime. But it's also a really invaluable tool for us to. To, to communicate with some of those harder to reach communities so you know I always have again it, it's, it's a bit of a double edged sword um, social media real positives to it we've got a much broader reach now as a result of uh, as a result of being able to use social media and the different ways in which you know my kids are never off Instagram great way to communicate with young people and young people are probably shouting at the radio now saying no we all use this but it, it gives us that other avenue but you're quite right it is too easy for a keyboard warrior to go on and say some really hateful things about other people. I've got to say something that happened to me. I've mentioned it before, but I'll mention it to you, and I don't think you even know about it. And I'm mentioning it for a reason, because of the cost and police time that was taken. Uh, long story short, somebody wrote a blog about me, so it was a long time ago, uh, a blog about me, which was funny, but then became nasty and then became very, very dangerous. And eventually the police got that perpetrator and the perpetrator went to court and was found guilty. The point I'm making is it took a year of police time now the reason I'm saying that is once again because of social media and the internet police time is being taken up isn't it yeah absolutely and um, especially during lockdown 
So we've got an increasing challenge around cybercrime, and we saw you know the increases in cybercrime during uh, COVID. You know, you know, there was significant increases. And when I say cybercrime, you know, I do mean hate crime. I do mean stalking and harassment. I do mean domestic abuse. I do mean fraud. Um, and the the complexity of the investigations compared to when I joined 28 years ago, the knowledge that the staff need to have around how to navigate their, their way around what would have been a fairly simple investigation, that layering over of social media, technology, that digital element to it makes it so much more complicated. You know, our frontline staff, in terms of the knowledge they have to have now as police, as frontline police officers and frontline members of police staff, is, you know, is phenomenal and they, they do an outstanding job. I'm talking to the Chief Constable of Merseyside Police. You mentioned recruits. What's happening about recruitment? So really positive. Um, obviously, the government announced that there was going to be an uplift of 20,000 officers, additional officers. So what that meant for Merseyside was an extra 660 police officers and around 200 police staff. Well, I'm really pleased to report that by the end of uh, March 2022, we will be at back to the same levels of police officers that we had back in 2011. So we've lost 1,000 police officers during austerity, so we won't get back to the kind of the 2010 10 figures but we also uh made a decision to go early. The former Chief Constable Andy Cook made the decision that we would go hard and recruit early. So we are meant to have all our new recruits recruited by 2023. We will have them all by March 2022. Brilliant news for our communities. Do people from all um, communities want to be police officers? Our Merseyside Police, as representative of the communities we need to be, no, we're not. We're working really hard. Um, I've talked about a number of my priorities. I set six out. Inclusion is one of my priorities. We're working really hard to build trust and confidence in those communities to encourage them to um, come and work for us. First of all, we need to build relationships with those communities before we even have conversations about joining us. So it's absolutely about the community engagement team, local policing teams, engaging with those communities, you know, events with those communities, just having a relationship with them and then starting to them to see Merseyside Police as an employer of choice. I'm really pleased to report that we've got, you know, it's positive steps across all of the protected characteristics, whether it be gender, whether it be sexuality, whether it be race, whether it be colour, whether it be disability. We are starting to see increasing numbers of people having, you know, seeing Merseyside Police as an employer of choice. So it is a positive step. We haven't gone away with the pandemic. It's been an unbelievable time in all our lives. Everybody that's listening now, yourself and all your staff. Where do you all stand as a police force with uh, getting the jabs? Is there a problem like hospitals? I mean, all of the all of the staff who've wanted to uh, get access to jabs now have, have, have had access to um, the first two rounds of the, you know, the double vaccination. Um, unfortunately, we don't meet the criteria as policing to get the booster vaccination, so we will have to wait in terms of when we're eligible with um, everybody else as members of the public. Um, a lot of our staff, we've got a young workforce, so actually in terms of that six-month period, a lot of them actually weren't uh, aren't eligible for uh, the booster vaccinations, but it would have been nice for policing to be included in the cohort of people who are in Title to it, um, like the NHS. Did you lose many staff? Really pleased. Um, we didn't lose any uh, members of the, the organisation during COVID. That said, 
lots of our staff did lose family members so it's been you know it's been really tough for our communities but it's been really tough for the organization as well how have your force felt about being on the streets through the pandemic has has a a pattern come through it Is, is there a different type of policing has something happened that we don't know about I don't think there's something different, Pete. What I would say, it's been it's been the most challenging period for policing that I've ever experienced in my 28 years. You know, we, we have things that communities feel particularly exercised about um, and, and protest about, but what we've seen during COVID, COVID has impacted every single member of our community. There's not a person that's not been touched by COVID because of the restrictions, you know, it put on our lives because of the impact it's had on family and friends. So it's definitely been one of the most challenging periods for policing. And yet it's had an impact on the trust and confidence of our communities in us. That we've come into contact with members of our community who probably in the past considered themselves to be law-abiding citizens apart from the odd speeding ticket. But they will may have found themselves getting a fixed penalty notice for COVID. So that has dented people's um, trust and confidence in us. Uh, and, you know, we need to work hard to rebuild that. What I would say here in Merseyside is the feedback we've had from the majority of the community is that we got the tone right that we absolutely uh, uh, we got the tone right in terms of how we policed and how we enforced we went really uh, you know we were absolutely about engage and explain speak to the members of the public explain the legislation engage with them we only went to the enforcement when we absolutely you kind of as a last resort and the feedback from the community was we got that right i uh, will say i will say personally i don't know how your police force and the police forces around the country did it because the law was changing all the time there was rumors nobody knew what the hell was going on you can't say anything i can say that so i shall say that moving on to happy things why are you moving so we're at the old headquarters, uh, uh, Pete, which is a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a landmark on the waterfront. Canning Place has been here 45 years. Um, 45 years ago, it will have been purpose built um, with lots of small offices. It's just not fit for purpose anymore. It's not fit to meet the needs of a modern police force. It's really expensive to run. Um, so, you know, that's why we're me- we're moving. The new headquarters is purpose built. It's open plan. It meets the it meets the needs of a modern police force in terms of the demands, the challenges, the complexity of what we're dealing with. It's absolutely the decision making has been around how we become more sustainable, how we absolutely use green energy. Um, it will make us more efficient, more effective. The savings that we make from being greener are one thing but actually bringing teams together that are dotted across Merseyside at this moment in time, we will naturally see efficiency, effectiveness uh, in the way we deliver our service to the communities, which is our absolute priority. And being a new building, it's going to give everybody a lift because this is iconic, but it's it's lots and lots of offices. You can't see people, can you? No, it, it, is, it is great. It's open plan in terms of people just needing to speak to other people. You know, we 
often, we all the time, every day, we've got people bobbing in and out of offices. It will make that, um, that so much easier. But just in terms of that pleasant working environment for the staff, you know, it has been a really challenging 20 months for people. People are tired. People are invigorated and will be uplifted by a new working environment. The well-being of the organisation is really important. It's another of my priorities. Um, you know, I need a happy, healthy, resilient workforce to ensure we can go and deliver excellent quality of service to our communities. And the new headquarters for the staff that are working there is going to support that. Are the dogs and horses staying where they are? The dogs and horses have their new homes. So we've got, you know, purpose-built facilities up at Speak for our dog unit and our and our horses have um, a refurbished home up at Mather Avenue. So they are just as important part of the policing family and have actually have had their facilities um, upgraded before the headquarters. Wow, that's fantastic. Right, uh, there was a dreadful, dreadful murder in London and the after effects has shot across the country and in fact spoken about around the world this must have because of this police officer must have done so much damage to the police yeah, it's been a, it's it's been you know a really horrendous um, last six months really. Some in March when you know when a police officer was charged with the murder of Sarah Everard, and then the circumstances in the way in which that officer used their role as a police officer to kidnap Sarah. I absolutely understand it's impacted on the tr- trust and confidence of our communities in the police force. Um, I'm a mum. I've got two teenage daughters, 19 and 21, who were at university in different cities. You know, the impact that had on me as a mum, as well as a police officer, it's impacted us all. We're all horrified as police officers and police staff. We join policing to protect the vulnerable, put our communities first, help people. So an incident like that cuts to the very core. You know, it goes against every single fibre of my in my body as to why I am in, in policing um, I understand why communities are feeling the way in which they are feeling and we're working really hard to demonstrate uh, to build that trust and confidence back into our communities we're working hard with partners around the really serious and important uh, agenda around violence against women, women and girls you know I've been really clear um, we do have people within the organisation who abuse their position as a police officer or a member of police staff. It absolutely will not be tolerated and positive action will be taken. We will take them through the criminal justice process where appropriate. We will take them through the um, performance and discipline uh, regulations again where appropriate. Have you looked at your own force? Absolutely, that's one of the key things is, is to make sure that we are we are looking internally at the at the behaviours of the organisation, how we treat each other. You know, I've talked around inclusion being one of my priorities. A big bit, a part of that is around the, the way we treat each other, but it's also about staff within the organisation having the confidence to call out inappropriate behaviour, uh, speaking to the ability to talk to their line managers. But we also have a, a confidential reporting app where people can report people where they. they just see behaviours. I meet all of the new recruits when they join and I say if you see it and it doesn't feel right, it's probably not right tell somebody, tell your tutor tell your line manager, the confidential reporting app, don't tolerate that type of behaviour. Do you know I love what you just said then, if it feels right sorry, if it doesn't feel right do something about it, that actually speaks volumes doesn't it? 
think it's really important. We, most of us have kind of that gut instinct where it's something doesn't feel right. We can just check it out. Say, speak to a line manager and a line manager being receptive. Or again, it's a bit like our external victims. If you've not got that confidence, we've got that confidential reporting app and that enables the organisation to have a more detailed look at what people are reporting. Over the years, you've been a police officer for a long time. Over the years, you've seen big changes. But one of the big changes, which for me was really important because I came from an abusive family. My mother was beaten up by her husband, my father. Um, And in the old days, the police didn't cope with it at all. Now it's changed. But through lockdown, were there big problems for you? We didn't actually see increased reporting on Merseyside of domestic abuse during lockdown. What we have seen is um, an increase uh, since coming out of lockdown, which is why, you know, we say we're working really closely with our partners for people to have the confidence to report domestic abuse. We absolutely take domestic abuse seriously. If people don't have the confidence to report it to us via our normal help, our normal 999 or 101, they can. There's there's, there's, um, the voluntary sector. There's ways of reporting it in via third party reporting centres. And as we've already discussed, there's Crime Stoppers. You know, I would really encourage people to come forward. We take it seriously. We will work with our partners to get people the support. Some people don't want to actually go through the criminal justice system, and I completely understand that. As a partnership, I see our role is to is to protect victims, to keep them safe. It's to deal with the perpetrator behaviour. This is not about putting everything on the victim and the survivors, but I do think we have a role to enable the survivors to make decisions for themselves so they may want to stay in that relationship so what is it we can do as a partnership to enable them to stay in that relationship safely or what can we do to enable them to exit the relationship safely while recognising we absolutely need to deal with the perpetrator behaviour here. I'm talking to the Chief Constable um, of Merseyside Police, uh, Serena Kennedy Uh, I'm delighted to say that your gun crime uh, is down uh, uh, down lowest for 20 years Absolutely, lowest lowest for 20 years and uh, halved to where we were last year. You know, serious and organised crime is an absolute priority for me. Um, those people who target the vulnerable, blight the lives of our community, will be pursued and relentlessly pursued by Merseyside Police, um, and that's what we're doing. The work that we've done through Operation Venetic, uh, which is the, the funny... Um, uh, ha- Twitter names that you, sorry, Encro names that you will have seen in the media. You know, we've had real successes in taking out some really serious layers of criminality in Merseyside through that. Our county lines work. But we recognise that within that, within serious and organised crime, there are also victims who need safeguarding. Um, Through our county lines work, we've identified over 270 people who we've safeguarded and hopefully prevented them being um, exploited. Can you still buy guns? Uh, Do you think you'll ever eradicate it? Tackling um, serious and organised crime and tackling firearms crime is a real is a real challenge. Um, I'd like to think that we could eradicate it. 
Um, I'm not sure we ever will, but we are making great inroads, real positive successes, you know, for our communities to have the lowest levels of firearms um, crime that we've ever seen, you know, is a real positive. It's changing our communities. And what's brilliant is some of those communities that have have really been affected by firearms crime, by serious and organised crime, because they've seen reductions, they're not willing to tolerate it anymore. So they are standing up against it. Whereas in the past, some members of our community lived with that. They tolerated it because they were frightened it had become the norm. So for me, part of our role is we absolutely need to... um, our, our, Our communities should demand that level of community life that others experience here in Merseyside. You've been a police officer for a long time um, and you've seen a huge change in drugs. You have to uh, make sure that everybody abides by the law, but wouldn't life be easier if marijuana was made legal? Oh, that's not a, that's not a position I would, uh, I would agree with, Pete. Fine. Um, how do we deal with it then because you can walk around Liverpool and smell people smoking marijuana all the time The police have a key role in terms of tackling drugs, in terms of the positive action that we can take, you know Policing are one of the enforcement agencies. They're probably mo- one of the most recognisable. We have to use our policing powers around stop search, around arrest, around taking people through the criminal justice system. We have our part to play in rehabilitation, so the use of conditional cautions and people re- being referred on to drug treatment. So even when people are arrested, we've got options uh, around drug treatment. As with all the other kind of crimes we've talked about, it is that broader partnership response around how can we identify those people, those individuals who were at risk around spiralling into a life of drug use and then drug dealing. What can we do to intervene earlier? We've got three pilot areas here under under the government's 10-year drug strategy uh, and that's exactly what we're doing and seeing some really positive effects around intervening earlier, stopping people um, getting into that life or once they're in, what is it we can do to rehabilitate them, educate them and make sure that they don't end up going down, continuing with that life of crime. I won't take much more of your time up, but I've got to ask, are police forces now um, sharing more information? Is it becoming global even? In terms of drugs or in terms of just generally? In terms of the whole of policing. We absolutely, I mean, the Crime Disorder Act came in in 1998. That that gave us, that kind of almost dictated about us sharing information. What I'm pleased to report is here in Merseyside, we have a really strong partnership. It was made even stronger during COVID. Um, You know, we ripped up some of the rule books. We cut through some of the red tape that was put in our way, which is why I think you saw Merseyside and Liverpool being selected to be the pilots for, you know, the lateral flow testing. Uh, We demonstrated how effectively we can work together as a partnership. And even when policing might not have a role in some of the work, um, the work that partners are considering, we've got a place at the table because there's massive duplication. What we don't want is partners all dealing with the same individuals, families and communities. We need to we need to support those individuals, support those families and support those communities once and make the message clearer. It needs whole system thinking and the partnership here in Merseyside's absolutely signed up to that. Chief Constable, your message to the people of Merseyside. Really proud to be the Chief Constable of Merseyside. It's a fantastic area. Um, 
you know, I absolutely, uh, we will carry on delivering a high quality of service um, to the communities, to you. Um, and you can absolutely put your trust and confidence in us if you contact us. Chief Constable Serena Kennedy, thank you very much. Thank you. If you enjoyed that, why not subscribe? We've got lots of guests on our podcast. Liverpool Live.